0: Zach Brazow, give me a name. John D. Rockefeller. Welcome to Give Me a Name, where a guest presents me, Ben Kirshenbaum, with a dead historical figure they find interesting, and we discuss. Rockefeller kept a lot of his philanthropy a secret, partly because so many people would then ask him for money, which is the same reason I'm very private about the insane amount of charity I've done all right so today we are talking money we are talking about based on the metric the richest man who has ever lived in the history of america anywhere
1: or world i think unless you count some kind of oligarch who appropriated oil funds
0: but just straight up cash in his pocket yeah john d john may be the richest person who has ever lived he was almost the first billionaire. Most of the things I saw said that he capped out at about $900 million.
1: His New York Times obituary said $1.5 Wow. Yeah, that's okay. what it said. I
0: think... It, but I, the money changes, I don't know. And a lot of it, yeah. I've seen a lot of discussions of how exactly it translates, when it hits its peak, which most people say is around the 19-teens after Standard Oil is split up. By modern standards... If you count it as the percentage of the American GDP that he actually had, he blows any modern billionaire out of the water. And his peers, Andrew Carnegie. You got Morgan, you got Carnegie. Right, right, right. Vanderbilt's a little bit before him.
1: Anderson's granddaddy. Yeah, Anderson's granddad.
0: (laughs) All right, so John D. Rockefeller, born in 1839. He is the oldest boy of six children. He had an older sister in Richford, New York. And one thing to know about Richford, which is in kind of central, north-central New York, during this time period in the center of New York State, And in the West, it's called the burned-over district in the early 1800s. Basically, huge religious revivals, so much so that they say the religious fervor is like burning in New York.
1: I wonder what the religious revivals were actually like with the Second Awakening. Like, you can paint—I I would love to know how religious people were back then. Could you say we're in a religious revival right now and just show people three hours of YouTube videos of Hillsong Church and be like, look how many people are here. It's a religious revival. Justin Bieber was getting baptized. I'm skeptical of how revived the revival was.
0: I think that's fair. I mean, they're starting new stuff, right? Right. right. The Mormons are around true, this time.
1: That's Sure, the mormons did pop out of new york too
0: yes right, right around the same area in this same general burned over district yeah. joseph smith has the calling and the mormons are born and then over time they move west eventually all the way to utah but one thing that is a little bit of a transition mormons polygamy that is a central theme in rockefeller's childhood yes. because of his father right Rockefeller's father, William A. Rockefeller, nicknamed Devil Bill, was a straight-up snake oil salesman. He called himself a botanic physician, but he was selling bullshit medicines to people and just sort of traveling around.
1: And he went by Doc Livingston. That was an (laughs) alias of his. I don't know why. Because when he became older, he wanted to trade off the Rockefeller name, but he also couldn't in some ways.
0: It would be too embarrassing For John Rockefeller, for it to be known that his father was a snake oil salesman. Sure. And he also had other reasons to hide his identity. He sort of has, well, before even getting to that. So he marries Eliza Davidson. Eliza Davidson's father is not happy about it. But Eliza Davidson is a wealthier woman, strict, you know, again, this religious background, Baptist. And meanwhile, this con man comes in. One story that might not be true, but is a fun one, is that he would sometimes go around pretending to be deaf and dumb. And apparently Eliza said something along the lines of like, well, if that guy wasn't deaf and dumb, I'd consider marrying him. And then miraculously, he's like, he was not deaf and dumb. (laughs) That's legendary. <laughs> it's it's quite the approach. <laughs> How long was he deaf and dumb for? Like a, a week? I think he probably committed. That's I mean, this guy... crazy. <laughs> so they get married. One thing that is revealed is that he had a mistress beforehand. Mm. And around when he starts having kids with Eliza, he convinces Eliza to have the mistress move in with them. It's saying crazy. saying that it's the housekeeper, right? But it's a mistress who he's having children with simultaneously. Schwarzenegger
1: style. It's, in a way. He's a bit of an early Arnold Schwarzenegger type. It's an
0: amazing comparison, yeah. He did have a child with his housekeeper who remained in his employ the whole time. And they were living all together in like a really twisted Brady Bunch yeah. situation.
1: Very odd that
0: they did that and he's moving around constantly he's leaving the family he's coming back to the family eventually they move within new york and make their way to strongsville ohio right near cleveland and that's where john d is during his teenage years this time devil bill actually does marry someone in canada so he is a straight up bigamist i mean he does have two Two wives wives, but with the other wife he goes under a different name and that wife had no idea about his rockefeller life and finds out years later that she's actually married to the father of the richest man in the world i
1: wonder if any of those his half siblings ended up with money any of john rockefeller's half siblings
0: right he has kids with the mistress he doesn't have kids with the other wife
1: right oh okay
0: But I don't know about...
1: Because he worked in his brother, William Avery Rockefeller, to a lot of the early standard oil business. And there are Rockefellers today who are descended from William, not John, but are still generationally wealthy but not to the degree of John. So he was good to his family. And then I think he had another brother, maybe Frank, that he had a huge falling out with. Right. But right. he sold him like two oil derricks or, <laughs> as like as still a way to allow him
0: to make good. The other thing to know about Devil Bill is when he is around, his parenting style is very unorthodox. One, one story, he would just trick them and con them to the point where they would do trust falls where he would convince his kid to, like, fall backwards and he'll catch them, and then he just wouldn't. Jesus. (laughs) Which is... (laughs) What a bad, bad guy. So, John D. is in Cleveland. He drops out of high school and doesn't go to college because he's got to support the family, Mm -hmm. and he does take one accounting class, and he famously gets a job... After a weeks long search on September 26th, 1855, which he calls Job Day and celebrates for the rest of his life. Like it's a more important day than his birthday.
1: Legend. But- I like that a lot. <laughs> He created himself on that day. Yeah, that's very nice. That's I don't the... like birthdays. I'd be with John D on this.
0: Th- that I wouldn't would
1: not celebrate my first job. I don't dream of labor, as it said. <laughs>
0: but I do not think birthdays are a worthy celebration. For you, what would be like the day, maybe you don't remember it, but would be the commemorating day?
1: I wouldn't even celebrate a day. I'm a bit Jehovah's Witness in the sense I don't like the idea of making one special. Right. I would love—it's such a catch-20. I would love— to not celebrate, if I have children, their birthday. But it is isn't a face <laughs> such a rude, cheap thing to do. But I don't feel that celebrating my birthday brings me any joy. I don't wanna put the burden of birthdays
0: on another generation. I think they're so stupid. Birthdays in general. I hate birthdays. But you would be shunned if you, if you didn't throw your kid a birthday party. I don't like
1: party. my own birthday. I don't wanna get gifts. I, I don't tell people when my birthday is. I don't want anyone to say happy birthday to me. I don't call people on their birthday because treat others the way you want to be treated i don't want anyone to call me on my birthday fair enough so i don't call just out
0: of curiosity when's your birthday
1: i can't i can't <laughs> say
0: <All it>. right. <laughs>
1: my birthday is also a an american holiday commemorating a mexican
0: holiday An American holiday, Cinco de Mayo?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's hard to say if Cinco de Mayo is actually a Mexican holiday, but it's definitely an American holiday.
0: Okay. I won't call you. I will completely. And if I see you, I'm shunning you. I would
1: put fake birthday on
0: Facebook. (laughs) I don't want I hate birthdays. (laughs) Hate them. So Rockefeller doesn't care as much about his birthday as he does about job day. He eventually succeeds. He's like a very successful accountant, but... He doesn't get enough of a raise from his bosses. He goes out on his own. He starts his own produce company. And he actually gets an investment early on during this whole process from his father, who definitely makes him pay interest rates. Like, it's it's not a purely good deed. Yeah, But he does get his dad to help him out a little bit in the early process. Jeff
1: Bezos style.
0: Yeah, right.
1: He's got a little Jeff Bezos with the parental investment. And he's got a little Arnold Schwarzenegger with the cavorting with maids, you
0: know? Yeah, and also bald like Bezos. Alopecia. Yeah, so Rockefeller later on gets alopecia, loses all the hair on his body, which, kind of like Bezos, makes him, when the public turns against him... makes him. Yeah, he looks like a villain. Yeah, yeah. Produce company. At first, it's not necessarily doing that great, but the timing ends up... And this is kind of a theme in general with Rockefeller's life. Timing is everything his produce company booms because the civil war starts Mm. in 1861 and the troops need food right right so his company goes way up rockefeller doesn't fight but he does pay for a replacement which was pretty common
1: dollars right wasn't that what it was something like that
0: i think he actually pays for a few replacements to fight for him he is a staunch abolitionist that's
1: what the draft card riots were of New York City. It was
0: about the inequality of peace. You could pay your way out of service. Teddy Roosevelt's father did it. J.P. Morgan did it. It was a common practice. Yeah, right. Rockefeller's explanation is that... We would have done it, probably. You think we would have done Probably. You, you mean you and I?
1: Yeah, pro- most likely if we lived in 1861. Yeah, but... Anyone who does stand-up comedy probably would have avoided the Civil War. <laughs> just by, it's just how it is. Not like an altruistic people, not a sacrificial people. I, I bet people would have avoided the Civil War to go tell jokes in a saloon know, avoid political topics. I think that that's... <laughs> yeah i think that I that's like fair i'd like to think that i would have done the honorable thing but i probably wouldn't i probably would not have
0: right and stand-up comics in general would have convinced themselves that their comedy is just as beneficial to no, the cause I think they would
1: have had the dick cheney approach which is what dick cheney said about vietnam which i think is a very rude thing he had five vietnamese deferments vietnam war deferments not vietnamese deferments <laughs> he said i had vietnam was not on my list of priorities I think that a lot of comics it just wouldn't be on that priority,
0: right? Because it would get in the way of a future oh, it's comedy can't late, be on late
1: night. night if you're, <laughs> yeah.
0: if you're at Antietam. So Rockefeller is already making money from this produce business in 1863 during the war. He marries Laura Spellman, who's a teacher in Cleveland, and they in
1: Spellman College is named after her, due yeah, to so, right? which uh,
0: is an HBCU. It is the first historically black college specifically for women for freed slaves so he is an able. we're going to get into rockefeller good guy versus bad guy right right but he's kind of really extreme on both
1: ron chernow said his goodness was as good as his evil was evil it's something like that that's what makes him an ambivalent character
0: and ron chernow wrote the book titan which is kind of at this point the pivotal authoritative biography of rockefeller i also to research this listen to a podcast called acquired which is about the origins of businesses and they did a historic one on standard oil so if you're interested in more the businessy end of it rather than the history end of it i would recommend listening to that because those guys know much more about business than i certainly do before the war in 1859 there's a guy named edwin drake and He's significant because he finds a efficient way of mining oil in specifically a town named Titusville
1: Mm, in Pennsylvania,
0: in Pennsylvania, which during the mid 1800s for a few decades was the center of oil, the center of the oil industry. Saudi
1: Arabia. It's
0: uh, not the Middle East, not Russia, not Texas. A small region of central and western Pennsylvania and oil it was a better resource than whale oil Which was the main thing being used at that time to light kerosene lamps Mm. Before electricity to light up your house and particularly in a city. It would become more and more useful so Rockefeller is going to become insanely rich from oil money specifically oil refining not drilling the oil but refining the oil and actually making it useful but it's for kerosene for the most part, at least during this period, not for gasoline. Right, Cars right, have nothing right. to do with this yet. So he's getting slowly into this business. He starts it with a guy named Maurice Clark. And there's an English sort of chemist who helps figure out ways using sulfuric acid to help make the kerosene out of the unrefined oil. And he's incorporated into all this. Eventually, this business keeps building up and up and rockefeller buys out the partners who don't want to keep reinvesting in all this stuff they want just profits immediately and rockefeller's got much more of a vision
1: but he knows nothing about chemistry or how to actually do anything with oil
0: but he knows how to make money yeah rockefeller's is really sort of if you're like a biographer or a psychologist or whatever it is he's kind of this cool combination of his parents in that he's got this love of money churnow describes his father's love of money and i guess rockefeller's too as like almost like a sexual mm. he just loves seeing those numbers right, go, go up. up and he's got the ruthlessness and sleaziness of his father but he's also his mom's son in that he's baptist and religious and is constantly giving it away from the very beginning he's doing charity so he's this weird, I don't know, this weird sphinx.
1: Yeah, he's a charitable guy. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> so he's starting to make a good amount of money. He buys out Clark. And in the late 1860s, things are coming together for him. He eventually starts the Standard Oil Company of Ohio. He's working his way. This company is getting bigger and bigger. The thing is, in terms of like his business, you can call it like business genius mixed with corruption and it's very debatable just how corrupt he was how illegal the things he was doing he definitely did illegal stuff right he definitely bribed politicians he was definitely into racketeering but then there's also a bit of an element of you know in the 60s Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was the best college basketball player and his freshman year he was dunking on everyone and soon after they eliminated dunks from the college from did they really you were not allowed to dunk For, like, 10 years, it was illegal to dunk in college basketball. And the reason why it reminds me of it is, like, Rockefeller, the rules are made because of Rockefeller making the need for rules. Right, right. But then, once the rules are made... You have to follow them. You got to follow them, which he does not do.
1: Right, (laughs) right. But Kareem did. Is that why you got the sky hook? Yes,
0: yes, yes. To adapt to not having to dunk, he creates the most iconic shot in basketball. Yeah.
1: What a legend!
0: <laughs> That's crazy. They wouldn't let people dunk. Kareem also said in like interviews that there was a huge racial. It aspect seems racially of motivated, of obviously. course. That it was mainly the black players right, dunking.
1: Right, right, right. Shame on the
0: NCAA. <laughs> so, in 1871, Rockefeller, with some other people, making what's called the South Improvement Company, and mm-hmm. this was a way of them making deals with the railroad companies about delivering the oil. Essentially, it doesn't actually end up happening. And they create a deal with the railroad companies for them to get cheaper deals on transporting. On their
1: freight deals. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Because they, they do so much volume.
0: And the other companies, their competitors, get even worse deals. Right. According to this agreement, it causes an uproar. The South Improvement Company doesn't actually end up Becoming a thing, but the damage is already done and for a two-month period what's known as the Cleveland Massacre Rockefeller buys up 22 of the 26 Cleveland refineries, so he's well on his way to creating a total monopoly here's the thing what Rockefeller does is basically Later on, caricaturists will compare Rockefeller to like an octopus, standard oil to an octopus, that its tentacles are are all over the place. It's almost a mafia cartel thing going on where he essentially is telling these different companies, come in with me. I'll give you a share of this. And if you don't, I'll lower the prices so much that I'll drive you out of business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just an offer they can't refuse. Right, right. And He's a
1: ruthless guy he ruthless but he does give a lot of money to the south to fight hookworm so that was one of his big philanthropy things they had a lot of hookworm because they had these barefoot children in the south
0: and not shoes for them and his charitable investments later on in his life he essentially invents modern philanthropy Mm -hmm. and obviously the idea of philanthropy has been around forever but The idea that a super rich person is not just going to throw money away without really thinking about it, but actually very consciously hire different people to get the most bang for their buck with their various charities. And one of the things that he's really interested in is research and- Effective altruism. This is a big cop out for a lot of people who want to make a lot of money. I'm making so much money so that I can give it away to the less fortunate. In his mind, that is who he is. He's like a b- benevolent dictator in right, his own mind. Right. It's like I was given this, and he says this, God-given gift to make money, almost like an artist is given artistic ability. It is then my duty to use it in a Christian right. manner. And he gives tons and tons of money away. So when we say those numbers of him being the richest guy in the world, it's also incorporating the fact that he could have been richer. Yeah. Oh, yeah, well, much richer. Decreates creates the rockefeller institute which is now rockefeller university. university and that university over the course of the past hundred years plus has done insane amount of breakthroughs
1: very low profile though because they don't have an undergraduate program which right. is
0: interesting are a university but not a college and that understatement is also typical of rockefeller so rockefeller university is named after him most things though are not really named after him so there are a bunch of things that date back to rockefeller that rockefeller was responsible for that people have no idea rockefeller in. Right, right. most famously the university of chicago which was totally founded by him the idea of building a baptist university particularly in what at that time was the western united states right i mean it's like crazy how all over the place all this stuff is
1: spelman college named after his wife yeah he was a charitable man
0: and one of his contemporaries who you mentioned, Carnegie, also a super charitable guy. Big library guy. Yeah. The, the Carnegie pu- Libraries. Yeah. Public libraries right. wouldn't really be around without Carnegie. Right. But Rockefeller is almost like on a whole different level in terms of really organizing exactly how to give money away. The other thing he does is helps create medical schools throughout colleges in the country. and basically the first real medical school as we know it like a four-year medical program that really teaches people how to be doctors started at johns hopkins in baltimore rockefeller likes this model and he helps create medical schools in this vein at colleges that already exist like yale
1: he should have just i don't know they shouldn't have to go to school for eight years doctors four years right out of undergrad he should have made a bigger innovation i don't like the john hopkins model <laughs> i prefer the international model five-year program starting at 18. takes way too long to be a
0: doctor in this country my dad started going to medical school in russia he's from russia he went to a medical school for almost four years when he was 18 and then started all over again in america that's ridiculous my dad was in training to be a doctor for like 15 years that's crazy and then he came to america and then did an unrelated undergrad and then went to med school oh no not pre-med he went straight from the medical school which starts young yeah so he never went to american college got it wow but yeah it's way too long that is crazy long
1: (laughs) does he miss russia
0: no 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 my dad does not miss Russia. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jewish. Yeah, Russian Jewish emigre. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Tough to miss Russia, I guess. Then.
0: Yeah, I don't know if many Russian Jews who moved here in the seventies are like, oh man, the good old days. Yeah, I miss the shtetl." The... Wow. <laughs> so Rockefeller's company, he's already becoming the richest guy in the universe, and laws at this time were very different in America when it came to having a company that extended beyond state lines. So his company originally starts in Ohio. The way he is able to make it a national company is by incorporating an idea of the trust. It's just crazy. And then every state
1: has its own version of Standard Oil.
0: The stockholders report to a group of trustees, and this is his not illegal yet way of circumventing the law at I the time this is there this happens to some degree still
1: though like if you have i'm thinking of health insurance companies blue cross blue shield of massachusetts that is a different company than blue cross of blue shield for like florida for example which is florida blue but right. they're both subsidiaries of blue cross blue shield it's very confusing
0: but they're incorporated in all sorts of different states and i should also say that rockefeller is not the only he's the The head guy during this time period, but there are other guys around him, particularly this guy named Henry Flagler. He's got partners and co founders who are scheming and finding ways around. Which, in a
1: way, you would rather be, if you were right now our age, you would rather be a descendant of Henry Flagler because you would still be part of the American aristocracy and you'd still be wealthy. But no one would know that just hearing your name. It's very, it's very conspicuous to have the name Rockefeller. I mean, And that, there are a lot of people who carry it today.
0: And yeah, it, you just equate it with privilege.
1: Right. It's probably good, though. You can be a socialite easily if you're a Rockefeller.
0: I feel like at the end of the
1: day, yeah, you'd want to be. Good. You'd yeah. rather be a Rockefeller than a Flagler, I guess. Right. I, <laughs> but if you wanted to get involved in organized crime, you'd rather. Nah, you could do that. I don't know. I'd like to meet a Flagler
0: yeah i'm sure that he's got descendants
1: if you were a young person trying to date and avoid gold diggers you'd rather be a flagler you would know that your friendships were more sincere if you were a flagler
0: you have to be on edge as a rock that's the pro for flagler the that's pro the for rock the pro for rockefeller is you're
1: invited to more places more suitors
0: Yeah, right. More people want to be with you if you're a Rockefeller, but you just don't know if it's sincere.
1: Plus, generations of Rockefellers have then been involved in government. Winthrop Rockefeller.
0: Nelson Rockefeller. Nelson
1: Rockefeller. Yeah. I'd rather be a Rockefeller, but (laughs) a Flagler would be cool, too. You know, I'd like to be a Flagler.
0: The other thing that I should say, and again, my business knowledge is not very sophisticated, but from the businessy side... The reason why Rockefeller is able to grow so much is that he incorporates I guess what's called both vertical integration and horizontal Mm -hmm. integration Horizontal integration would be the idea that he's absorbing all of these other refineries, right things that are within the same Mold as him, but the vertical integration is kind of even more interesting. Basically. It's that he's either buying up or in some way controlling everything involved in his company so like He buys forest area to make wood for the barrels so that he doesn't have to pay for people making barrels. He hires his own plumbers so that he doesn't have to look outside for plumbers. Eventually, he's able to even bypass the railroads and create pipelines that he controls. So not only does he have over 90% of all the refining business, but he also controls every element within it.
1: It's legendary. It's, it's uh, total accumulation of resources.
0: From a legal standpoint, the big milestone is 1890, the Sherman Antitrust Act, which is put forth in Congress by a senator, Sherman, who is actually the brother of William Tecumseh Sherman, mm. the famous Civil War general. Right. The ironic thing is, that this act has such little teeth and is so vague that Rockefeller actually supported Sherman's campaign for senator both before and after the Sherman Antitrust Act. Basically, the way Rockefeller looks at this act, which 21 years later will dissolve his company, is that, great, people now see that there's something legal on the books to quote-unquote stop me. Right, right, right. But I'm not going to do anything about it. It's some quote in it that it's outlawing trusts that have, quote, combinations in restraint of trade, combinations in restraint of trade, which is just like so ambiguous. And it would take a while for them to use this thing to actually take standard oil down. They're starting to go after him legally in the 1890s. In the middle of the 1800s, Rockefeller says he wants to retire. 50 at this point right? yeah he's exhausted from his philanthropy he's for, like filled, like literally exhausted because he puts so much work right. into it and he's also accomplished basically everything he can in the business world but he does stay on for the title as president which will come to bite him in the ass rockefeller never gets too involved with politics beyond giving money to campaigns in the 1896 election william mckinley is elected and rockefeller loves william mckinley he's kind of in the pocket of these big barons but it's around the late 1800s that there's this guy this governor in new york who is causing them trouble theodore roosevelt big teddy they want to quiet this guy right. because he's clearly going after at this point standard oil is actually located in wall street and they have stuff in new jersey and the whole thing i also learned they're Main building, 26 Broadway. Now the bull is outside of it.
1: In Rockefeller's house, I think it was like 36 West 54th. Yes. They went to the Riverside Church. You can go to a lot of the places that he used to go to.
0: I think he lived close to what is now Rockefeller Center.
1: Yeah, if he was on West 54th, yeah. for sure, yeah.
0: He and other rich people who are doing these trusts and all that stuff are trying to get rid of Roosevelt. So they come up with a great idea, which is make him william mckinley's running mate in 1900 Mm. no one's less powerful than the vice president six months into mckinley's second term he gets shot and all of a sudden teddy roosevelt who will become known as the trust buster is the president and will be president for the next eight years
1: big backfiring (laughs) the the political maneuvering there
0: yeah you do forget that the president could go down
1: I know, you know, some people, yeah, you do forget. You do forget.
0: <laughs> and it's during the early 1900s that a woman, a journalist named Ida Tarbell, writes a history of Standard Oil, which is really a focus on Rockefeller. She works for a magazine called McClure's. She's writing this history, this scathing history for 3 years. It's like keeps it's a periodical. Right, it keeps right, coming right. out. And that's what really turns the public against Rockefeller. Against. Big John. Makes him into the ultimate supervillain in American life. Tarbell actually has a personal beef with Rockefeller. Her father was one of the people involved in the oil business. Oh, that he forced out. In Pennsylvania. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And her brother also was involved in a competing company. So she's looking out for revenge right she's already like an established biographer she wrote a biography of lincoln and napoleon and all this stuff but there's a reason why she's turning at rockefeller at this point she's considered one of the biggest muckrakers a term that theodore roosevelt coined and that's just the group of journalists and writers during this time period who would take on social issues and bring injustices to light tarbell combined with roosevelt eventually turn public opinion against Rockefeller, he is finally brought down and forced to dissolve Standard Oil in 1911, so actually after Roosevelt's presidency, but directly related to all the trust-busting stuff.
1: And he becomes richer as a result. Yeah. <laughs> the sum of the parts is greater than the holes, which is a good example of the unintended consequences of, of lawmakers who kind of just go for big stories, big headlines. John D. Rockefeller is evil. Let's break up his company. Oh, but you actually made him richer. Like Colorado recently passed a law that said you have to disclose salary requirements for any job posting. It, hopefully for more transparency so job seekers don't waste their time. An unintended consequence is many job posts things for remote work now say a residence of Colorado prohibited from applying because the companies don't want to have to adhere to that one specific law. So they just don't allow people from Colorado to apply.
0: And sometimes there is, one guy made a point in that podcast I listened to, Acquired, where he's like, sometimes the government's got to just kind of wait it out and let these companies naturally die. Because- Yeah, I mean, I will say when it comes to, I don't understand trusts in trust
1: busting. I don't understand what people mean when they say we have to break up Facebook. I don't know what that would look like or why.
0: And in Rockefeller's case,
1: we don't. You all those 50 companies into their own company.
0: All these companies become their own company. But he has shares in all of them. He has shares in all of them. This is when he's launched from a mega millionaire into a billionaire. Right. And the companies that it splits up into, you might not have heard of Standard Oil, but you have heard of
1: ExxonMobil,
0: ExxonMobil, Chevron, one of the outlets of BP, all of these are the children of Standard Oil. Right, right. So, Rockefeller's mark on the modern world is tremendous in all sorts of different areas. He is eventually brought down a little bit before the company is dissolved there's a period where he thinks he might actually even go to jail he's able to avoid that and in his later life he lives to 97 he says at a young age that his goals were to make a hundred thousand dollars which is like a couple million today two three million and to live to a hundred and he
1: almost makes it to 100 yeah
0: 97 (laughs) oh
1: yeah good guy (laughs) I share his fear of death. He had a fear of death. He didn't want to die, yeah.
0: Terrible fear of death, would do weird things in order to, in his mind, improve his health. He would chew very slowly, apparently had to chew his food like 10 times before he would swallow and therefore was very annoying to eat with.
1: It may have worked, though, if
0: he lived yeah. to 97. That's one of those things, when people end up living to 100 and they have these different idiosyncrasies, right, right. you're like, you can't. You should listen. Yeah. yeah, there's no, it might be the key. It could be, it could be. <laughs> At his old age, he comes, he suddenly turns from being this super private guy into allowing people to film him, and he becomes this jovial grandpa. Sort of figure. I think he kind of got horned up too. There's this weird excerpt in the churnout thing
1: where he lives in this place in New York, Keycut. I wouldn't even know how to say it. Quaikoot, whatever. I don't know how they pronounce the name of their estate. But he has someone over for, like, a ride in his Model T, and he's, like, getting handsy in the back.
0: He becomes this insane pervert when he's in his 80s and 90s. Right. Where he just can't sit with a woman without putting his hand up her dress or... Yeah.
1: I wonder why... If he must have... Maybe... I don't know. Maybe he was a bad guy. or Maybe he was suffering dementia. It's I don't want to make
0: excuses for him. No, but it is weird that this guy who was, like... a
1: personality twist he was a chaste man yeah closely.
0: uber religious right. guy and With then it, his wife deceased when he got i think so like this i think so and then yes he eventually dies in 1937 at the age of 97 his son john jr is one of the main people to take on the rockefeller company and names is insanely charitable too for national parks, Acadia National Park is preserved because of him, and Rockefeller Center, which is built during John D's life, but really it's John it's Jr. John
1: Jr.'s project. Yeah. yeah. And David is a grandson. John Jr.'s first son is David Rockefeller, who was president of JP Morgan, I
0: believe. And Nelson Rockefeller becomes vice president, and that's also a grandkid of John of
1: New D. York, Rockefeller Republicans. Yeah. The Rockefeller Republicans might be making a comeback. So People what it, are throwing that term around a little bit.
0: Yeah, so it's like... Compassionate conservative. Socially liberal, c- fiscally yeah, conservative. Yeah,
1: but I don't even know that they'd say fiscally conservative. They'd say like business-minded liberals, I think is what you could say. But I think Rockefeller had very draconian drug laws, so I'm not sure how liberal they were
0: socially. So why did you choose John D?
1: I like John D. Her's fear of death, which I relate to. I like that he was not just a great American, great in the sense of larger than life, but he spawned a great American family. I don't think that the Carnegie family had this level of impact with this level of descendants. I don't think that the Vanderbilts did, besides Anderson Cooper. You know, I, his mother was a socialite. He was. I consider Anderson Cooper a socialite. I don't consider a telejournalist to be a journalist. So he's a socialite. His mother was a socialite. But the Rockefellers, they were politicians. They were business people. They were... its in, it, They're an interesting family.
0: Yeah. I mean, I th- maybe the Roosevelts, maybe the Kennedys, in terms of influential American families. Right. The Rockefellers come first, really. I mean, Teddy Roosevelt's father is kind of a big deal, but it's really Teddy that's yeah. the first big Roosevelt. So... Like it or not, the Rockefellers are... They're a
1: dynasty. They're a dynastic family.
0: And they're very American. Very American. <laughs> because... And the good and the bad. The ruthless capitalism aspect of it, to the point of corruption, and the philanthropic. Very like, philanthropic. Nice side. You know, I like that. There's a reason why it's called Standard Oil, because in Rockefeller's mind, he's setting the standard. He's basically saying, we could have all of these different companies competing against each other and have crazy price wars and things go up and down and it'd be unpredictable there was
1: also a lot of impurities in kerosene which occasionally led to fires
0: people would die with their kerosene lamp so his argument is by standardizing things by having it all under my moral control i'll make the prices good i'll make it good for the consumer it'll be good for everyone right and And,
1: probably largely was just like amazon is People spend less money to get more stuff.
0: The argument from him is not crazy, but it gets out of control. Yes. John D. Rockefeller as one of the most two-faced—and I don't mean two-faced as like— Two-sided, like two two sides of a coin. yeah. Yeah is is up there for me for american figures
1: yeah he's a good it was a life well lived it was an impactful life most people don't have an impactful life (laughs) yeah fair enough you know when i think of a guy like if i think of anderson cooper like who's probably a good guy right maybe more people would say anderson cooper is a good guy than would say john d rockefeller but has anderson cooper had as much of an impact on the world As John did. I would say
0: no. It depends how many more New Year's Eve ball drops he hosts. That's true. But hey, for
1: me, he turned on Kathy Griffin. That is my main bone to pick with Anderson Cooper.
0: What did he do with Kathy Griffin? Oh, when she did. After
1: she did the beheading Trump photo, everybody, including Anderson Cooper, who ostensibly was a friend, turned the back on her. What Anderson Cooper should have done is he should have had the honor that Chris Cuomo had. To stick up for someone who had done something wrong at the risk of his own job.
0: I'm starting to think that the reason why you picked John D. Rockefeller is because you have a beef with the because you have a beef with the Vanderbilts via I Anderson
1: Cooper. I'm Rockefeller over Vanderbilt. And Anderson Cooper has gone on like ridiculous record as to say he had no inheritance and never received anything from his mother, which is I think just patently it's just an outrageous thing to say because at the very least even if you didn't get one dollar. Everyone knows that you are of that family, which has made a major impact in your
0: life. I'm going to be like when I prepare for these things, I try to like, you know, think, oh, it could go in this direction, that direction. I had no idea that we would get to Anderson Cooper
1: at all. It all comes down (laughs) to
0: Anderson Cooper. I
1: I think that Anderson Cooper is the flip side. Like you can you can view anything through like the lens of comparing them to Anderson Cooper. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. You mean any person?
1: Any person. But in a way, I think John D. Rockefeller might have given the Anderson Cooper treatment to his brother, William, because they had a problem and they did part ways. But William Avery, I think, was still worth hundreds of millions of dollars. But they they did move on from each other the way that Anderson moved on from Kathy Griffin.
0: Okay. Well, I, I mean— I feel like we went over Rockefeller, but we should leave it at the most important point, which is Cooper bashing, one of my favorite pastimes. I do like Cooper, though.
1: He's at both sides, but I don't like cable news. Let me put it this way. Anderson Cooper, for me, is the embodiment of cable news. Some people would make Tucker Carlson the embodiment. Other people would make Rachel Maddow. I hate cable news. Okay. I think it is dishonest. I think it has no integrity. I think it makes the world significantly worse. (laughs) And it is so boring to me that people use their entertainment hours watching sanitized tellings of current events. It's disgusting. Cable news, if you care about news, if you care about art, if you care about American democracy, if you are a cable news host like Anderson Cooper, you should end your show. That's what I would say. Anderson Cooper should end his show. You heard it here. I think that <laughs> CNN is worse for this country than Standard Oil
0: was. All right. Well, I can't, I can't argue with that. Zach Rizow, thank you so much for being on. Is there anything you wanted to plug?
1: No, I don't want to plug anything. Yeah, just see me on the web. I'm out there.
0: (laughs) Thank you so much for being on. Thank
1: you for having me, Ben.